Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Alrighty, folks. So every day I do a bit of mailbag on the show. This is the stuff that usually goes behind the paywall on the Ben Shapiro show. You have to actually be a subscriber over at dailywireplus.com to get your questions answered. But I want to give you a taste of that. And we'll do some more of this on the feed more regularly where we actually answer questions from subscribers. Carlos says, hey, Ben, I'm an avid chess player. I was wondering if you enjoy and play the wonderful game of chess. If so, do you play online? Also, if we were to reduce society down to pieces in chess, who or what do you believe would be represented by the king and why? And for fun, what piece would best represent you? Um, well, I think probably the the piece that would best represent me would be the bishop, ironically enough, um, mainly because moving in direct but diagonal pathways toward a goal uh, is, is sort of a, my MO. Uh, I'm not unpredictable like the knight would be. And uh, I also can't move in like literally any direction the way that the queen can. But if you're talking about, you know, what is represented by the king, meaning not particularly dangerous, but the thing that is sought after, the, the actual goal, it, it is, in fact, control over others. So you have to exercise a massive amount of control so you can have titular control over others. That, that The queen is the most powerful tool in the game. That's why the government wants power over your life. But the, the goal is to be able to exercise the power, not even the actual exercise of the power, but the ability to exercise the power, which is what the king actually sort of represents. Andrew says, hey, Ben, you recently said you wouldn't and don't allow your kids on the internet as it's a vile place. I agree with your take. My question is, at what age do you start allowing your kids to have access? Is there an age you think would be appropriate or necessary for kids to have a smartphone over a phone with no internet capabilities? Thank you for all you do. Uh, no, I don't think minors need a phone with uh, smartphone capacity. I, I really believe this. I think that, that when they hit 17, 18 years old, once they've started to mature into actual adults, then the ability to give them more unfettered control to the internet may become necessary and you can sort of gradually introduce them to this. But do I think that a 16-year-old needs a smartphone? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, I think that when they go to college, like if you if you think of your kid as an adult, then your kid should have access to adult things. The internet is an adult thing. And even then, adults need to be very careful about the way that it poisons your mind because there are too many adults who have been perverted and destroyed by the internet. Landon says, hey, Ben, longtime listener. My question is regard to kids. As recently a new father, and as our son is continuing to grow, both me and my wife want to be there with him all the time. Unfortunately, we're in a position where we both have to work. This is also worrisome because I want to homeschool our kids. Not sure how that would work. How have you justified you and your wife both working and letting someone else raise your kids for several hours a day, whether that be with a babysitter or your parents, however that works when they were younger or with the school raising and teaching them. Well, I mean, you have to find a support network and a kinship network and a school that you actually trust. So don't just send your kid to the local school. If your community doesn't have a school that you like, you need to move communities. And this really is a serious consideration. Uh, and also understand that temporary decisions are not permanent decisions, right? My wife was going to medical school, which meant she was not home a lot. The idea was when she graduated from medical school, she would be able to essentially write her own check, make her own hours, sort of determine what she wanted her life to look like. And so it was worth the sacrifice in the now. So as the kids got older, they would see a lot more of her. And that's precisely what has happened, right? Planning is an element here. Where you live makes a huge difference. Right? There are certain places, San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles, where it's almost impossible not to have a two-salary family in order to live half decently. And then there are places in the United States where that actually isn't true where the cost of living is actually significantly cheaper and where one person can be working or where one person can be working full-time, the other person can be working part-time. 
Now, design your life around your wants and needs and then figure out a community that actually fits those wants and needs is the way that I would express it. Mark says, hey, Ben, I heard that Washington state is trying to pass an assault rifle ban on the purchase, sale, and manufacture of semi-automatic rifles. I'd love to hear your thoughts on if this is likely to go through. Thanks very much. Well, the Washington state legislature right now is absolutely dominated by Democrats. So it seems like a pretty good shot that it's going to go through, considering that you have a Democratic governor and that your, your Senate is divided 29-20 in favor of the Democrats and your House is divided 58-40 in favor of the Democrats. So it seems like it'd be... It'd be a hard thing for it not to go through. Democrats are, are obviously pursuing it. Nessie says, hey, Ben, after seeing what the left did in Israel as far as protesting, going on strike to shut down the country, what are your thoughts on the same thing happening here if DeSantis or more so if Trump wins in 2024? In my opinion, there's a greater chance this will happen than not happen. Well, I, I don't know that they actually have the capacity to shut down the country. This is the beautiful thing about a country of 340 million people. Very difficult to shut down the country. Israel is a country of seven and a half million Jews and about two million Arabs and that's tiny. I mean, just in comparative terms, you don't need that many people not to go to work in order to shut down the country. Also, the number of businesses in Israel that support the workers is not that high. So all you need is a few kind of big tech bros to decide they're going to support protesters in the streets to make that happen. In the United States, not even remotely close. I mean, there are 20 million people who went in the streets for BLM, and it still didn't shut down all the businesses in the United States or anything remotely close to it. Eric says, hey, Ben, I have a question concerning the use of Narcan. Narcan has many benefits, including helping prevent accidental overdoses from people who've been exposed to fentanyl, for example. At the same time, an argument can be made that excessive use and availability enables addicts to keep using and knowing they will be brought back. As a Christian, I 100% believe in forgiveness and second chances for addicts and that treatment is the solution for most people rather than prison time. What is your position on Narcan? Is there a moral problem or a moral hazard caused by the use of it? Thanks and love the show. Uh, Well, I don't know that there is a severe moral hazard in the availability of Narcan. Uh, any more than there's a severe moral hazard in the availability of seatbelts. I mean, now, obviously, I'm not comparing heroin use or fentanyl use to to driving a car because there's an actual use to driving a car, whereas there is no use other than self-destructiveness to heroin or fentanyl use. With that said, it, it is not the preventative measure that is the serious barrier to somebody stopping doing the thing. It is not as though if Narcan were unavailable, people are going to suddenly stop doing heroin and fentanyl because of the risk involved. It, if, if if it ever became that commonly used as a prophylactic, maybe you can make the case for moral hazard. Uh, but I don't think that, that is the chief concern when it comes to, to you know, heroin and fentanyl overdoses. The, the chief concern there is that you're talking about people who legitimately are addicted to one of the most addictive substances in human history. And it's not the availability or lack of availability of Narcan that's going to make that call for them, it seems like. Eli says, I had a great time watching you speak with Jordan Peterson in Jerusalem. My question is, in debating atheists, I've many times reached a point where the atheist concedes Judeo-Christian values are necessary in order to keep society moral, but the atheist then argues the Bible is still not divine. It was actually just written by a person or group of people thousands of years ago that realized that in order to keep people in line, they had to make up a story about an all-powerful, infallible being who created everything and commands people to behave. How do you respond to this argument? Well, the way that I'd respond to this argument is, so then what is your argument against religion? You're arguing against the truth of religion, but you're also arguing in favor of the truth of the principles of religion. So did it ever occur to you that maybe the principles that you are now agreeing with me are incredibly valuable and durable, that there may be something innately good about those principles that have been discovered by human beings? And if so, why? What exactly made those principles so durable? Where did people believe they were getting those values? Why can't those values simply be achieved by legislatures in in various states or cities? Why did it take so long for them to, to kind of break onto the world scene? In, in other words, you can certainly make the Voltaire case, right? Voltaire made the case. He was an atheist, but he said, I, w- I hope my maid isn't because she might steal the silverware. 
You can you can certainly make that case that the social use of religion is an inherent good, but that you don't believe the the basis of religion is divine in in its origin. And that's that's not an illogical case. All I would suggest is that if something is that good for that long, you might think that there is something higher inspiring it. I mean, I don't think the utility of religion is the best argument in favor of religion. I think the best argument in favor of religion is the fact that human nature is replete with things like free will, free choice, decisions to be made between good and evil. These are things that do not exist in the materialist world of the atheist. That's the best argument against atheism is that they operate in a world that is completely religious by nature and then they ignore the religion in the world. The utility of religion is an argument for why religion is necessary and good and ought to be protected. Now, not quite in our, like lots of things are useful. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily divine. Matthew says, hey, Ben, I personally am of the mind that Biden may not run again due to the possibility of losing, especially because politicians are type A personalities. If you lose, you get branded as a loser. Look no further than how we view Hillary Clinton and Trump now. I get it's in the Democrats' best interest to run Biden again because of the lack of candidate depth. Do you think for Biden personally, he'd want to run again? So Biden has made pretty clear that he wants to run again against Trump. If it's anybody else, he could bow out, right? If it's DeSantis or if it were Nikki Haley or somebody else he thinks that he could not beat or he, he's more scared about beating, then you could see a world where he basically bows out and says, I've, I've done my job. I was the transitional president. Look how much I've done. I'm a historic figure out. You could see him do that. Against Trump, he's not going to do it. He thinks that Trump is super beatable. He said it himself. I mean, it's, again, it's not as though people are hiding the ball here. Joe Biden has said in public interviews that he is considering still. And then he's asked, what if Trump runs? He's like, then I'm running. He wants Trump. The Democrats want Trump. But should make Republicans think, why do the Democrats want Trump precisely? Joseph says, hey, Ben, in regards to current banking issues, everything has been explained well enough except why there was a run on Silicon Valley Bank in the first place. Without an initial bank run, the domino effect wouldn't have happened. So again, why the bank run and why isn't this being discussed? Well, the, the reason for the bank run is because a lot of the big tech companies started seeing their profit margins absolutely disappear. Well, there's a recession hitting. A lot of the big tech companies suddenly had their debts called in. They borrowed a lot of money. They're not generating a lot of revenue. And suddenly they have to pay off those credit card bills and they have to go to the bank and they have to withdraw money from the bank in order to pay those credit card bills. And that's why Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. There's a run on the bank. Their asset base was in bonds. Those bonds had basically, basically been inflated out of existence. And so they went belly up. But the run was generated by recessionary attempts to draw money out. And then as soon as people saw that they couldn't get all of their money out, then there was a run on the bank. People were like, okay, I better be first in. Meyer says, hey, Ben, huge fan. Daily Wire subscriber, high school studies teacher, social studies teacher here. I just finished Ann Coulter's book, Trees, and could not believe her section defending Joe McCarthy. However, when I did the research and read the Venona papers, it's true. Communist spies were littered throughout the U.S. government throughout the 30s and 40s. Why has all my education and the general opinion of the public been so poisoned toward McCarthy? Why is defending him seen by, as so shocking by many? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Thanks. Well, I mean, the reason is because a lot of members of the journalistic establishment were kind of fellow travelers with people of the far left during the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. You can see a huge number of left-wing narratives that formed deliberately in response to sort of anti-anti-communism. There's a lot of people who weren't necessarily communists, but they were very anti-the anti-communists. So McCarthy said a lot of things that were not true about the number of people that he knew were in positions of power. But his underlying argument, which is that there were a lot of people who were in positions of power who actively were affiliated with the, the Communist Party, that was not, that was not false. I mean, again, two things could be true at once. McCarthy could be a blowhard, and also many of the underlying cases that he was making were, were true. The media, however, Again, this has been true for a long time for the left, unfortunately. They mirrored the positions of the Soviet Union on a wide variety of issues, 
particularly starting in the late 1960s and 70s. But even as early as the 1950s, there was some of this. Gary says, howdy, Ben. Been watching your content for a while now. And not so long ago, was very aligned with the left and an outspoken Bernie supporter going so far as to campaign and organize on behalf of Bernie for hundreds of hours. The appeal was primarily the reversal of trickle-down economics and the anti-corruption, anti-cronyism platform with which Bernie aligned himself in 2016. My question is, what is your opinion of trickle-down economic policy and its effect on big business? Does it concentrate wealth and enable corruption, or does it spur economic activity and truly trickle down? Similarly, I'm very curious to know your stance on the Citizens United SCOTUS decision. Does it concentrate power or uphold freedom or both? These two points, trickle down and Citizens United, together inspired much of the angst behind Occupy Wall Street and the Bernie bro phases America went through. I've been generally interested in your take on these items for a while. Thanks again. Okay, so when it comes to quote-unquote trickle-down economics, that is a term that was popularized by the left that is not a good description of what capitalism is. Capitalism is the free movement of goods and services. That is what capitalism is, the free alienation of labor and goods. The notion that trickle-down has anything to do with it is wrong. The, The basic idea is that if you let people keep their own money, then they are the best arbiters of what to do with that money. And Very rich people, if you take their money away and you redistribute it to very poor people, typically that money gets spent on a bunch of low-level goods and services. If you you give a lot of money to people who are very poor from the quote-unquote very rich, that money doesn't end up being spent on innovation and business creation. It ends up being spent on goods and services at sort of the lowest subsistence level. And you make the case that people need that. That's what charity is for, I understand. But if you are looking for better goods and services that over time make the entire society easier to live in, You need innovation and investment at the top level. That has to happen with lots of money. Poor people don't have the ability to invest in the kinds of R&D and innovation and business creation that people who have aggregation of wealth do. That's just a fact. You can pretend it away. You can pretend that has something to do with morality. It does not. If you are making $30,000 a year, you do not have $10 million to spend on developing a new iPhone. You don't. A major corporation has that money because it has engaged in goods and services provision at a very high level and now has aggregated enough money to invest in new products and services that make your life better. Now, the good news for the person who makes $30,000 a year is that the externalities of that are excellent for the person who makes $30,000 a year, which is why everybody in the United States who makes 30 grand a year still has an iPhone, a piece of computing more powerful than anything available in the United States at all in like the year 1990. So the externalities of capitalism are what justify capitalism. I mean, I think it's inherently justified on the basis that you own the products of your of your labors. But even if you don't believe that, the externalities of capitalism are excellent. The externalities of socialism are terrible. When it comes to the question of Citizens United, now the, the problem with opposing Citizens United is there is still aggregation of free speech power, meaning that Citizens United basically just says that if my friends and I decide that we're going to create an LLC and then spend money on an, uh, an election ad, that's not illegal and that it's a violation of free speech for the government to ban that. That seems pretty obvious. I don't understand even the case against it, really. Like the, the, the truth is, the left doesn't understand the case against it. They just don't like the kinds of corporations that are doing it, meaning that the, the left was using unions, public sector unions, this way, and still does every single election cycle. The, the left uses the media as essentially its giant campaign influence operation, and they have been doing this for decades. So the idea that you and a bunch of your friends can buy a campaign ad and, or that that should be illegal, but the New York Times can put a campaign out for Joe Biden every single day. That seems bizarre to me. Kylie says, you said universal school choice is a good thing. I'm hearing concerns, particularly from the homeschool community, that government money comes with government rules, that school vouchers are likely to lead to the government becoming more involved in what is taught in religious schools and homeschools. What do you think about this? Are these concerns valid? 
Is it possible future governments will link certain curricula to receiving the funding? Or is it just becoming more authoritarian when it comes to education with the excuse that they're paying for it? So obviously, you'd have to guard against that. You'd have to guard against school vouchers being forced into schools approved by the government. The good news is that left-wing governments generally don't like school vouchers at all. You could see them attempting to crony capitalist this thing. You could see a, a, a world where, say, a left-wing government gets elected in Utah, and they decide that the only schools they will now accredit for your use of school vouchers are ones that, that teach about transing the kids. You could certainly see something like that. And that would be bad. But that doesn't mean the school vouchers themselves are bad. That's two steps down the road. Brian says, hey, Ben. Brian here, fan of the show and all the amazing content DW puts out. My four-year-old daughter can't wait for Chip Chilla to come out. So I wanted advice on how one might navigate a divorce from an abusive relationship with a heavy emphasis on making the divorce easiest on the kids. I hate the idea of getting divorced. I worry about how it might affect my two children, four-year-old daughter, two-year-old son. I'm afraid my marriage has reached the point where it's more damaging for my children if I remain in the marriage. Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you. Well, without me knowing the details of your marriage, very hard for me to answer the the, border, the the sort of bottom line question as to whether a divorce would be appropriate. Are we talking like physical abuse or are we talking about just your spouse is not kind to you, kind enough to you? Are we talking about like emotional unfulfillment or are we talking about, you know, your, your spouse cheating on you and beating you up? Like these, these are very different things. Once kids are born, the first priority is the kids. And so emotional unfulfillment in a marriage is not an excuse for leaving children with a broken home. Putting on a brave face for the kids, actually, I know it's, it's become sort of passe, but um, it's not actually a bad thing to do. Uh, most cultures did it for the vast majority of human history, and the kids turned out better for it. Broken homes are awful for kids. However, let's assume that we're talking about the latter, that, that you're talking about a spouse who legitimately beats you up or something, uh, is a drug abuser, right? It's dangerous to the kids. Then the best way to navigate, then you're talking about a person who actively is bad, if you're talking about somebody who, who actively is a threat to you or a threat to the kids, you leave and then you don't look back. If you're talking about somebody who's just not kind or, or the, the relationship just isn't good in some way, I'm not sure that that's enough of an excuse for breaking up the marriage in the first place. I, I don't have good advice on how to navigate this well because I don't think there's an amazing way to navigate this. I think there are better and worse ways, but I don't think there's a great way to navigate divorce. I think kids are in, in, innately damaged by divorce. And pretending otherwise is uh, is whistling past the, the graveyard a little bit. Eric says, hey, Ben, long-time listener. I appreciate DW for all you guys do. Do you have any advice on how to approach familial relationships with differing political viewpoints? My wife and I are strong conservatives. Until recently, my wife's family seemed to be at least moderate. There's been a noticeable shift leftward lately. While not overt leftists, there's certainly no fans of the right. I have growing concerns about the influences our daughter will have on that side of the family. What can we do to proactively set the proper boundaries? Well, you can say, listen, we have increasing political disagreements. We're not going to talk politics in the house. And you set that baseline. It's your house. You get to say that. And frankly, I think that's useful and good. Very often, setting the boundaries beforehand allows you to have a good time in the other areas of your life. You can talk about the ball game. You can talk about school. You can talk about other life issues. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, that knowing where the differences are and then keeping in mind what you want your kids to hear and what your, kid, your kids should not hear uh, is, is a better way of approaching the issue than just sort of winging it. All righty, we've reached the end of this week's mailbag. If you wish to have your question answered in the mailbag in the future, head on over to dailywireplus.com, become a subscriber. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, 
Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 